0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 20th day of May, 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin. And just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of who will probably be the 2016 world champion, San Francisco Giants. I'm not going to make this a Giants podcast, but I do want to point out that the Giants have responded in a pretty intense way. Now, they granted, they've been beating some teams, which they should be beating. You know, like they just spent what it seems like the last four weeks they've been in San Diego. And they went on an eight-game road trip, and they won all eight games. If you're going to win the division, you're going to have streaks like because the Giants went on some bad losing streaks at the beginning of this year. So anytime you go on a road trip and say, "I will win the whole damn thing," I don't care who you're playing. I honestly don't care if you're playing the Cub Scouts. If you win all eight games of a road trip, that's one of those things that later later on, if you go through a tough stretch, they, and that can kind of absorb it. You know, I just especially when I take a look at around that division, it just they just look better. Remember what I kept saying at the beginning of the year: if healthy, Johnny Cueto is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Well, so far he's been healthy, and he's been one of the best. They got one relief inning. In the San Diego series. Boom, boom, boom. You know, complete game, complete game, eight innings. This is what's going to happen if you're trying to win a division. Especially when some of those other teams are looking bad. Hey, let's let's get out of it. Because I get it. Oh, you're talking too much. Well, then let's talk Rangers. Huh? How about that? Let's talk Rangers. Now, the Rangers have lost the last three games. But the American League West is so weird right now. If you take a look at the AL West... I mean, the seven games separate first from last. We're about a quarter of the way through the season. You understand that? So the idea of looking at the standings right now is not as absurd as if this was like, if this was April 6th and we were like three games in. Yeah, it's absurd to look at the standings then. Now, it's not absurd to look when you said, okay, a quarter of the season has come and gone. We only have four chunks of the season, that is, as long as it's been played. And we've cashed in one of them. And if you think that the last quarter, well, you know, that's basically who you are. These middle quarters, you figure out who you are. Now, if you are a team, if you're a quarter of the way through the season, and you're already just in the basement, you're like the twins, that's a lost season, you know that. Then there's some teams where we know... You know, the Braves are a lost season. Reds are a lost season. Uh, Sorry, San Diego. I mean, I know the Padres are only seven and a half games out of first place, but they can't score a run. But you take a look at the AL West, and seven games separate first from last. Well, who's in last right now? Houston. Houston is a team that's loaded with talent, nearly baited to the ALCS last year. And Seattle's in first and seattle is a you know is a team with talent but hardly a juggernaut it's not hard to conceive of the seattle mariners going on a losing streak or the houston astros going on a winning streak which brings me back to what i thought at the beginning of the year i picked the texas rangers because i think that they're the most complete team and their three game losing streak notwithstanding they're only two games out of first place In the loss column and i think are a stronger overall team than the seattle mariners i think they're going to win the division i stand by my pick we're a quarter of the way through the season and i think that in the end they're the most complete team in the end i think they have the best talent on the team and if you darvish can come back and beat anything then you're going to look at a team that has the pitching depth to maybe even go far into october and I can't help but think about what the aura, the reputation of the Texas Rangers would be. I know I keep bringing this up, but you know this is this is a well a byproduct that you can't avoid if you're a Texas Ranger fan. If Nelson Cruz had timed that leap a little better, you know, if Nelson Cruz had, with two outs in the ninth inning, of Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, fly ball to right field, deep right field to be sure, but Nelson Cruz jumped at the wrong time of the David Freeze fly ball and it turned into a tr- game-tying triple. Now, of course, if Scott Feldman had struck out Lance Berkman the, the next inning, then we would never even be talking about the Nelson Cruz leap. But if one of those two things have happened, man, the Rangers have a completely different aura for this decade. They absolutely would, and because you, know, you would have said, "Hey, they won back to back pennants and a world championship, uh, wild card in twenty twelve. They played a play in game for the play in game in twenty thirteen. They were decimated by injuries in twenty fourteen, but won the division in twenty fifteen. Probably win the division this year. They'd be looked upon as the team, one of the teams of the decade." You know that they would be looked upon as wow. This is a decade where they are one of the dominating teams in baseball. If he had made that leap, it's not fair. They should already be looked upon as a franchise that is having a wonderful decade. But you have there's the stigma. You've got to win the whole kit and also the caboodle. It takes the pressure off the franchise. The Red Sox have one postseason appearance in this entire decade, and they won the World Series. And I feel the pressure on them. Well, maybe it's a little bit of pressure, but at least it's a sense of hey, they won this this decade. Meanwhile, the Tigers and the Rangers have had many appearances, but without the big ring, it makes a difference in terms of how people look at the franchise. It may not be fair, but it's true. This is the heyday, this is the greatest decade of Texas Ranger baseball ever. Ever. No decade has come close. The only other decade that featured even a single postseason appearance were the 1990s, when they won the division in 1996, 1998, and 1999, and mind you, had the most valuable player elected in each one of those years. Juan Gonzalez twice, and Pudge Rodriguez once. It should have been Pedro Martinez, but I digress. But no one's going to remember that because they got swept in two of those series, and they they won a grand total of one game in those three postseason series combined. So this is the heyday. These are the times when you look at the Rangers. If you're a Ranger fan, and I know a few Ranger fans. Jamie Kelly, how you doing? I know a few Ranger fans, and they're, you know, Texas has a reputation of being a football-first state, and it is. And, of course, they've had success in basketball with winning the championship. See, they won a championship, so therefore any talk about, well, but they've never won a title is completely... Taken off the board for the Dallas Mavericks. Totally. But there are a ton of baseball fans, and there are a bunch of die-hard Texas Ranger fans out there. And this is the decade where undoubtedly the greatest memories of their baseball-going life have occurred in the 2010s. And they've occurred on the backdrop of what is it, Globe Life Field? Is it ballpark in Arlington? Uh, whatever the hell it's called, which your pal Sully has been to. It is a fabulous ballpark. It looks beautiful. It's situated right there in Arlington. Right there. It just—it's It's very Texas. It's a big open space, big towers and buildings. It's a big stadium that feels like Texas. So naturally, they're going to get a new stadium naturally. Now, I'm going to go on the record here. I'm not a fan of publicly funded stadiums. No, I'm not. Because they're not public parks. They're not public utilities. They're not things that people in a city can just use. It's a private place. I think that public money should be spent on schools on roads, on infrastructure, on police, on firefighters. There are things that you expect your town, city, and state to take care of. Say if you pay your taxes, do you know what? You're going to have a decent public school to send your kids to. There's going to be, you know, know, people are going to be checking the water to make sure it's not poisoned. People are going to be looking at the fruit. That's what the money should be going through. not to, hey, a bunch of billionaires want a new palace. Shall we give it to them? And quite frankly, I know it would not get the the Twitter reactions or would not get the sports call-in show reactions you want, but I wouldn't mind seeing a few more politicians saying, no, actually, we're not going to pay for your palace. You're a billionaire. If it's such a great business plan, you buy you know the the myth that well you know you build a stadium it creates jobs yeah for a few months it doesn't create permanent jobs every single economic study show that the few stadiums that have built up the economy around them are the outliers and one of the most successful stadiums you ever saw is right up the 101 here and it was privately funded so if you want a new stadium, Rangers, you're all wealthy, build it. It's not an issue. Build a new Yankee Stadium Chase in uh, City Field. They built it. It was privately funded, as was AT&T Park. Do it yourself. I'm getting off my soapbox there a little bit, but, you know, when I hear things like, well, we're going to scrap another public school, but we're going to build a stadium. How? how remind me how that works again. Remind me how that works. We're going to build a palace. And they build a palace... For the Rangers. Now, I do understand the reason why they would need to. And it was actually one of the reasons that for years I thought the Rangers would never put together a pennant winner. Because it's too damn hot. The game that I went to, I went to a ball game in August of 2014. It was a 14-inning game. And the Rangers won in extra innings on a basis loaded walk. It was actually a pretty wild game, I will say. But the it was a night game. And it was it was a nice night, I have to say, weather wise it was a nice night in Arlington, Texas. But I had been in Texas all day and I knew that the idea of going to a day game in Texas was just not in the cards. It looks beautiful seeing a day game, but man, watch go see when there's a day game in Arlington. There are a lot of empty seats. It's really, really hot. It's very hot in Texas. And they built this ballpark. That was originally called the Ballpark in Arlington. I believe future President George W. Bush was running the team then. And I'm not going to make this a political podcast, so I will not blame everything on George W. Bush. What I will say is, you know, it goes a little bit to my philosophy at work. I'm not going to talk about my work or my job, but it does tie in a little bit to the Texas Rangers. There have been times in my life at work where I have fought for something, and it'd be like, well, you know, I make videos at work. I said, you know, we need to get this person who's very good at sound mixing. Well, why don't we cut corners? And if we hire this person, we'll save $500. And I would point out to them said, no, you would save initially $500 if you get the cheaper person. But if they screw up, it will cost $2,000 to fix their mistakes. In other words, sometimes you need to make the correct decision first, or else you will wind up spending more money than that time you, than the amount that you saved to fix your mistake. That happens all the time when I'm putting together pre-production on stuff because people think, "Oh, why do we need this? We can cut corners on that." I said, "No, you can't. No, you actually can't." You have to sometimes cost money. Sometimes it costs money, honey, to get the stuff done. And I remember when they were building the new ballparks. Camden Yards opened in 1992. Everyone's heads exploded. The Cleveland Indians opened up Jacobs Field the same time that the Rangers, who had threatened many, many times to leave Texas with what was then called the ballpark in Arlington. I was in college at the time. And I remember thinking, back in the early 90s, 1993 when I first saw the design, 1994 when the park was opened, I remember thinking then, why isn't there a roof on it? Now think about this for a second. I said that in 94, it's 22 years later, and they're addressing that. And I guarantee you, the cost of building a new ballpark in 2016 and beyond is hundreds of millions of dollars more than it would have been in 1994. Especially then, we were just learning. It was the beginning of the stadium boom. So we were just learning the economics of it. And people were still believing the myth that building a stadium increases the, uh, the businesses around town, simply using one model being the Camden Yards model, where that appeared to be the case. So I was thinking back then... And I was just some schmuck student going to college in New York City. I was not involved in the infrastructure of the Texas Rangers. Why well, did they put a roof on that thing? And the reason I thought that was the same thing that they found out about blank baseball in Texas back in the 1960s. When they had the Houston at the time, Colt 45s playing Colt Stadium, it was too hot to play outside. They had to build a dome. They had to create the technology to build a goddamn dome. And they built the dome. And the, there was the reason it was too hot. And when the Rangers moved, when they were the Washington Senators, they were the expansion Senators, and moved to Texas just before the 1972 season, just before I was born. And several times, the Rangers were threatening to move from Texas. And what was the main reason? Was it because Dallas was too small a market? Was it because there was no money in Texas? No. It was always the same thing. It was that, "Eh, it's too hot. People don't want to go to the stadium. And the stadium was kind of a crappy minor league stadium that they attached new seats to. So they finally built a new stadium. It's a beautiful park. It's in Arlington, so it's not like, oh, we we we're taking the the team out of the town or what no, it's still in Arlington. The amenities are beautiful, the sight lines are great. They have some parts of it that feel like Tiger Stadium, some parts of it feel like Yankee Stadium. They have that great hill in center field, they have those great suites in there. It looks big feel. it looks like would what do you expect, Rock Hudson and James Dean and Elizabeth Taylor and Giant. It, it feels like Texas. Except They did not address the one thing, the one constant that has happened in the Texas region since the formation of the continents is that it's too damn hot to play there. I'm sure that as Santa Ana was leaving the Alamo, did I get any of those names right? He sort of said, yeah, this is great. I'm never going to forget that Alamo. And I'll tell you what I'm also not going to forget. I'm going to forget it's too goddamn hot here. If you saw the movie Giant, great movie, by the way, it's one of the things that when Rock Hudson brings Elizabeth Taylor to Texas, she's like, oh, is it always going to be this hot? Yeah, it's hot. This is one of the least surprising realizations, is that it's hot. And they spent hundreds of millions of dollars to build a stadium for getting to address what the problem was. If I went in to the car shop and my, all my, you know, my tires are flat, okay, we're going to fix it. And I come back and they've souped up my car and it looks like the Batmobile... And it's got new engines, it's got new lights, it has grappling hooks, it's got rocket launchers, it's got XM radio, hell, it's got satellite TV and a hot tub in the back. But all the tires are still flat. Have you solved anything? It's a philosophical question that ends with the word no. Now, if they had done it right and put a damn roof on the place we wouldn't be talking about a stadium in Texas right now. It makes me think that to this day, the one team that got it right was Kansas City. That Kansas City, when there was all the cities were trying to build the types of stadiums which they wanted then, which were the round, circular, multi-purpose stadium, which when you think of it makes more sense. When you think of it, to say, we're, if we're going to build a stadium it's not just going to be for one team. Football teams are going to play there. Baseball teams are going to play there. It's going to be uniform dimensions for baseball. It's going to be you know, easily adjusted for football. That makes more logistical sense than to have a stadium for baseball and a stadium for football. What Kansas City did is they built right next to each other a stadium for football, Arrowhead, and a stadium for baseball. It was originally called Royal Stadium, now it's called Kauffman Stadium, where they're perfectly designed for that sport, and they're right next to each other. And so when all the other cities started tearing down their multi-purpose stadiums, Riverfront, Veterans Stadium, Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium, etc., the Royals and the Chiefs are still playing where they built in the early nineteen seventies, when a stadium cost four dollars and seventy six cents. Yes, they've had, you know, they've revamped it, they've they've you know spruced it up a little, but they haven't had to spend the four quadrillion dollars it's gonna to take to build a new stadium somewhere. They did it right. They did the equivalent of what I did with a sound mixer, say, why don't we hire the good sound mixer? And they wound up getting it right the first time. The Rangers built the park ignoring the one most obvious glaring problem of playing games in Texas. And now they're starting to say, in the middle of their greatest run, hey, you know what? I just thought of something. Why don't we put a roof on this thing? There were roofs on stages before. The Blue Jays had a retractable roof as early as 1989 which was a good five years before the opening of the ballpark in Arlington. And in the years after the opening of the ballpark in Arlington, you saw retractable roofs in Milwaukee and in Seattle. And then Arizona opened up in 2000, uh, sorry, not 2000, 1998, just four years after they opened up the what was called the, what was it, the Bank One Ballpark. Because someone there said, hey, do you what I noticed about Arizona? What, the the, the beautiful landscape? No, 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 the cacti? No, that's not it. The heat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. Why don't we put a roof on this thing? So now here we go. We're going to have the Rangers build a giant covered monstrosity to be next to the monstrosity for the Dallas Cowboys. And they are going to leave. The what was the ballpark in Arlington, which was christened in 1994. Not too long after the Braves are going to leave Turner Field, two stadiums that I've been to, two stadiums that are fine stadiums, and that could that should not be torn down. And what I ask for is this: Oakland A's, pick which one. Do you want Turner Field? But you want the ballpark in Arlington. And we will find a way to lift it from its foundation, drag it across the country, and plop it into the parking lot in Oakland. We have ourselves a nice stadium for you. You think I'm kidding? Only one eighth kidding. Hey, who owned baseball yesterday? Chris Sale. Um, I'll do this quickly because we're running long on this podcast. Chris Sale, once again dominated, putting together his uh, bid for a Cy Young Award, another complete game. Samarjda kept the Giants on a winning streak on the road that they've not seen since 1913. 1913, which, by the way, in 1913, people realized in Texas it was too hot to play baseball outside. Uh, Mike Trout got on base a bunch of times, big home run, and the Angels win over the Dodgers. Matt Carpenter got a bunch of hits for the Cardinals against Colorado in that same game Trevor Story got a half wob uh Josh Reddick homered singled stole a base and broke I think his hand or broke his thumb or something too bad, he was putting together a nice year. Uh, James Shields was outpitched by Samarjda, but pitched, pitched well. And Irvin Santana pitched a very good game for the Twins, but he pitched it for the Twins, therefore they lost. So if you're keeping score at home, that would be Jeff Samarjda, whose name I still can't pronounce, Chris Sale, Mike Trout, Matt Carpenter, full wops, half wops, Irvin Santana, James Shields, Josh Reddick, and Trevor Story. Go to solelybaseball.wordpress.com, like me on Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. You can be old school, send me an email at info at Sullybaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. It's hot in Texas. News flash. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the twentieth day of May twenty sixteen. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Do things right the first time, and you can call me Sully.